1: Hello and welcome to another episode of Bring on the Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Luke Thompson. Ty Berger is here with us. Ty, how are you doing? Doing good tonight. Good to be back. Yeah. And we are less than a week now away from the season opener, so we're bringing on one of our favorite guests, former Kansas State Center, and also now the co-host of the In the Trenches podcast for the Kansas City Chiefs, Nick Leckie. Nick, how are you doing?
0: I'm great, Luke. Thanks for having <laughs> me on. I always love hanging out with you guys.
1: Yeah, see. So, I mean, you have got your own podcast now. Did you did you take anything you learned from us or just try to do the exact opposite <laughs> of what we do?
0: I asked BJ, I'm like, "BJ, aren't we supposed to Skype? What's the deal?"
1: Here? <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. And I was like, "Yeah, I was like you need to turn my my, my levels up and um I, it's weird talking into a microphone and then listening <laughs> to yourself and I was like, "Crap, I need to speak directly into that thing and speak louder."
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's weird. I uh it's a long story of why it happened but i i had a was part of a radio show for two weeks and I, I had some issues with the microphones from the at the start you know it took me a while to figure out what distance i should be from it so. <laughs> it's the little
0: things that they don't teach you you got to figure it out on your own
1: yeah yeah for sure, for sure. And, and so speaking of adjustments you know kansas state players obviously adjusting to a new coaching staff so You've obviously played for a lot of different coaches in your career. What's the toughest adjustment, you know, to a new coaching staff? And
0: well, I think the main thing is the plays. All the plays are different, so it, it's always like it's the same concepts, except it's like learning a new language. So, I if if I played at Arizona and then I started playing in St. Louis or with the Rams, we'd have a play called Scat Right, and then in St. Louis, it's called Seventy Four. Like that was the protection. Yeah. So I hear 74 in my head. I go, okay, 74 is Scat Riot, and here's our rules for Scat right. So you have to translate in your head as you're turning around. So they call the play in the huddle, say, you know, Scat right on two, and so and with a bunch of other words, but I only listen to Scat Riot, <laughs> and that would be like the things so you have to translate in your head. So yeah, it's gonna be tough for players to make that translation and to figure it out so that's always why things look a little rusty at first with new coaches because you don't have that experience where I've been doing running a Snyder offense you know four or five years of my career and now I'm doing something different so it's going to be simple at first and then I feel like as the season goes on we're going to be able to to be able to expand the playbook
1: right right and then fortunately the schedule seemingly allows for that so hopefully it'll, it'll work out we'll see them kind of improve as the competition improves i guess that, that's kind of the goal and what you want to do right
0: absolutely i mean you always want to take the next step right you want to what pound stone, win the dang day
1: so <laughs> that's,
0: that's what you want to do and i think the key is is to once big 12 play you want to be hitting your stride right. so you know you want to get, get these first couple of games in and then you know obviously you're going to get tested at mississippi state and then after that you're, in, you're you're in it you're in the thick of the big 12 conference schedule yeah.
1: And it seems like, I mean, there's a lot of excitement around the program, the the coaches saying the, the right things right now. You know, you feel like that they've got all the players support, at, at least for now.
0: Yeah. You know, everything that Coach Kleiman and his staff have said, it, it strikes a, a chord with me because it's not like tough guy talk. It's not false bravado. It's real stuff. And I think that's just the way Coach Kleiman lives his life. And I've talked to him at like the wabash cannonball and then at practices and then uh, up at the facility and i mean great great group of guys that he has and it's really just it's revolutionary to what we've all had with snyder i mean just it's different right and and Mm -hmm. i think his mentality what he brings to k-state is cool because you can kind of build off snyder's toughness and then you can add a little bit more modern things to it like allowing the players allowing practice to be filmed uh you know it's I mean, i didn't know k-state football had an instagram or twitter account so you know a until climbing got here and um, i don't know that they did
1: videos. i mean yeah
0: <laughs> i know and they're showing practice videos and i'm like oh my god this is unreal like i've never i mean so all this content that we have as fans has just been great i agree with nick i really like the way I really like Kleiman. I really like Hazleton. I really like Messingham. I like this coaching staff, and I really hope that they are successful because, you know, kind of like Nick was saying, it's new and it's different. You know, this is a football culture that fits in this part of the country. You know, we're, you know, and I think that they can recruit to this, and I think that they can sell this, and I think that they can, you know, as a strategic deployment against, you know, what the Big 12 is right now, I think that it can work. As far as the off-field stuff, I don't know. I mean, like, I like it because it's fun. But I feel like almost almost any coach that we would have hired probably would have given us some kind of breath of fresh air like this. So I'm trying not to, like, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, try, I'm trying to, like, enjoy it and not be a killjoy about it. But I also am like, yeah, I mean, you know, Neil Brown probably would have done this, too, you know. Sure. It, we, were, <laughs> we, we were so used to you know, Fort Snyder, not getting any information, you know, that anything would have been better than that. Now I, I mm. don't mean to downplay it because I think that the social media guys, yeah. you know, I think that the guys at Veneer that do that, I think they're doing a fantastic job that, you know, the, the reins finally got taken off of them and they're showing what they can do. And that's great. You know, as far as the team goes, you know, I hope that that breath of fresh air, and I hope that the fact that they are sort of allowed to have a little bit of fun now and, and I hate to say it like that because it, it feels kind of like I'm dumping on Snyder a little bit. And I think that, you know, in general, it wasn't necessarily like that, but I think things got so dysfunctional on that coaching staff for the last few years that, you know, once you stop winning, you know, it stops being, you know, Nick, you probably, you, I mean, you know, you've played long enough that you've had, you've gone through some tough seasons. You know, once you stop winning, it just stops being fun. And then, you know, if you compound that misery with all of the difficulties and all of the you know, sort of uh, old-school approach that Snyder took, I, f- I feel like it probably just got really miserable really fast. So I hope that breath of fresh air gives them a boost this year that, you know, that they might not have had otherwise. And, you know, maybe that maybe that helps us ride a little higher than we might have. Yeah.
1: Well, maybe the, the, the question to ask, you know, you talk about the rest of fresh air, and certainly I think Ron Prince gave a little bit of a breath of, of fresh air when he came on. But so looking back, maybe the question is, you know, what's the difference between him and, and Kleiman and for me you know hindsight is twenty twenty, of course but like Kleiman well first of all the obvious is, is he brings in kind of that swagger that comes from being a winner and, and having that culture had so much success in North Dakota State even if it was the lower level I think that makes a difference but then secondly I don't know it seems like he's a little more genuine like Prince was pretty slick in a lot of the things they did and I, you know I probably fell for a lot of it at the time but it seems a little different i don't know. what what do you guys see as differences between their approaches
0: i mean as far as i go i mean i i just don't think there's any comparison between the offensive line coach at Virginia and a yeah. guy who won I don't know, what, four, four national titles at an FC, as the head coach of an FCS school. Right now. I, I mean, I get it. I get it. And the precedent for power five schools hiring FCS coaches is not great. You know, it, with the few data points that we have, it doesn't tend to work out all that well. Now, this might be an outlier because this is, you know, the head coach of a dynasty at that level. Right. And I, I truly think that, you know, that Chris Kleiman's football IQ is very high. I think he really knows football. I think he can really coach football. My general feeling is that the idea that you can have a CEO head coach at the college level is just not true. You need a guy who can be a quality control guy for one of your coordinators, whether it's you know, whether you hire, hire a defensive guy like Kleiman or whether you, you know, you have an offensive guy like I keep going back to Neil Brown, you know, but Neil Brown is an offensive guy, he's gonna be a quality control guy for their offensive coordinator. And then beyond that have the responsibility to marshal all of the resources and to see the big picture and to coordinate all of the things that they need to coordinate. You know, from that perspective, I don't think that there's any any real comparison between the two. Again, I don't want to look back at a look back on it with hindsight, you know, that we have on, on Ron Prince now. <laughs> but, you know, I, I feel like if things don't work out for Kleiman here, it's going to be because the jump from the level that he was at to the Power 5 level was just something that he, he wasn't ready for and could not learn fast enough, you know, to win within the time frame that he's going to have to win. Yeah. You know, I, I think it's interesting, too, that Kleiman, when well, he was the D coordinator in 2013 when they came to K-State and beat us, right? Right. So I think that experience was fantastic. And to me, the the one thing I look at is how he was able to shift in from the D coordinator role to the head coach role at North Dakota State, and he was able to continue that tradition. And, And that's a tough thing to do. It's easy to get to the top of the mountain. It is so difficult to stay on top of that mountain. You know, it's like heavyweight boxers. It's easy to get the belt. But it's hard to maintain that belt and he's maintained that belt for a while up there and and i think he's got that personality where i think with prince and the thing i've heard about prince is that he just he let his ego get in the way and he had one way and that was it and i think with cooked climate is that he's got no ego you know what his ethos is let's work every day let's come to work and let's do our thing let's have some fun and i think What I see from those videos is I see smiles and laughter at practice, right? And and I think if, if you can play the game with a smile, I think you're going to do a little bit better. I mean, you're going to work, you're going to work your butt off, but it's, it's a little bit more modern where there's more, more stuff like less practice, fresher legs. And so I think that's going to help a lot because I think you have to adapt as a coach. You have to adapt to the players and I mean, in, in high school, like the most we ever did was ice, ice our, our legs or an ice tub. And now you have cryotherapy, you know, soft tissue massages. So it's different, man, because, you know, we have more education about our bodies. And, and I think that's cool that that climate is, is adapting to that. Yeah. Yeah. And Luke, I, w- I just want to pick up on a point there, because, Nick, that's something that I've thought about a lot. I feel like the old staff and I mean, I, I even remember that article where Tyler Lockett talked about how in the NFL he was so much fresher for games just because he wasn't beaten down from practice and from the workout uh, yeah. you know, program that he was on. And I feel like that's a that's a modern thing that kind of passed the old staff by the idea that you, you know, you can still be in football shape, but you don't have to quote unquote work as hard as you as we used to think that you did. Right. Right. Like, yeah recovery is crucial to athletic performance and recovery requires that you you know do nothing you know you let your muscles recover from what you were doing so i i'm, I'm looking forward to that and then like you said I, and i've talked about this with you know luke you know MCT k-stater yeah. from the website so yeah. i've talked about this with him so much we always look back on that vandy game as the that was like the red flashing alarm that there was something wrong with this program like Yeah, that we went in. We now granted it's fancy. I'm not talking like we went into Georgia Stadium or something, but we (laughs) went in into an SEC school stadium and we were supposed to be playing this big game and every player on the sideline looked like they were like standing along the road of a funeral procession. (laughs) They were were standing there. There was no expression on their faces. There was no excitement to be playing in that game. They're like, well, we're here. We're supposed to be playing a game. If coach tells me to go in the game, then I'll put my helmet on and run on the field. But other than that, I'm just gonna stand here and watch. Like that was the point at which I was like, wow, this is this is a far, far cry from the team that I remember in two thousand three on the sideline at Arrowhead Stadium that was, you know, dancing around and jumping around and going crazy. And th- and that's even before, you know, we were kicking Oklahoma's ass. That was <laughs> you know, that was just because they were excited to play football. And yeah. now I see these practice videos where they're doing Oklahoma drills and they're doing fumble recovery drills and, you know, the onside kick, the hands team stuff. And, you know, every time that, every time somebody makes a play, they go, you know, they're, everybody's running around and jumping around and going crazy. I love it. <laughs> they, they look like they want to play football. Now, you know, I don't know. I, I doubt that practice is like that under Snyder, <laughs> Nick. You can tell me if I'm wrong. <laughs> but at least the last few years, I highly doubt it. So I, that's that's a big part of why I'm excited for this season. Is I just I hope that they're having fun again. Because it, I mean, I know it's a long season. I know it's hard work. I know they get you know hurt and injured and everything. But overall, it should be fun, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It, it definitely should be fun. And and like I said, I think it does translate over into your play if you're out there having a good time then you know you're going to be more resilient when it comes to you know when, when, when you get scored on or, or if you know if, if you get a lead you know you're going to be able to have that that camaraderie and, and that culture of being tough and you know that you're going to have to play through it and then you're going to have your teammates on your side yeah yeah
1: the other thing i wanted to add it's how you know you were talking about guys not you know not needing to work as hard and that kind of change and we we talked about that a little bit last podcast and and Matt and JT were even mentioning that you can literally see the difference physically because of the way that the guys are training from that so that's hopefully something we we see the effects of as well um but you know one thing we didn't talk about in that podcast and this was intentional is the offensive line Wanted to kind of leave that for our conversation with Nick, so that, let's talk about that. It seems like it's going to be a very experienced group. Maybe we should start with Connor Riley, new High coach. Obviously, like climbing, he had a lot of success in North Dakota State. Um, do you guys know anything about him beyond that? Any thoughts on him so far?
0: Yeah, I, I think Connor Connor's doing a great job of coaching. He's got a great track record of you know coaching up of, of guys who who were successful at North Dakota State, some, like, MVPs of the division. And so I, I think he's got a really good mentality. He, You know, he played. He was an awesome offensive alignment as well in college. And so I like when coaches have that background. Like, it's the same thing with the guy before. Is at Okie State now. He had that background of playing O-line. So if you have that, you can relate. And then you know the proper techniques and what to teach and what to look for and what's a dumb move, what's a smart move. And um, I, I like it. I love his mentality, and, and I've seen him out there practice, coaching up his guys, and it's just—it's cool. I'm like, okay, this guy gets it. He really does.
1: Yeah, yeah. And so, one of the more I think interesting um, storylines for the offensive line is it's—they're going to have at least four seniors, possibly five. Though I think uh, Kellis was indicating that that Revis right now has the edge at left guard, the sophomore, but you know, a, a lot of experience, and but then. You know, Coach Riley has just talked about he wants to kind of rotate guys in more and play seven to nine guys. And he he even acknowledged, like, I know that sounds sort of crazy because you want those guys to have that chemistry. Huh? You know, do you think that's something that, that could work or how do you think that's going to play out?
0: I think it is. I think if you've got a guy coming in at guard where maybe you're not sure of or, or someone who's going to have the spot solidified, you want to get reps. And, and if you tell someone, listen, man, we're going to rotate you every every other series, then you know you can go a little bit harder during your series, knowing you're going to have the next series off. And, and if you manage that right, it can be successful. I think at one point, you, you might have to, to go with the starting five, but then I think with injuries as well, mm-hmm. if you've got a guy who's got those game reps already, and he's not coming cold off, you know, having played since a, a blowout over someone, you know, four weeks ago, you know, you're going to be in trouble. But if you got guys where we're okay, all right, this guy goes down and we got a, a net next man up, and that guy has game experience, that's huge. And I think the more you can get to play, especially early on, and rotate them legitimately, then I think that's going to work out for you during the stretch in uh, November.
1: Yeah, and another thing I saw mentioned on I think it was by Derek Young on KSO, and you know he he mentioned said that this is definitely secondary to getting the best group out there you can, but you know, you don't necessarily want to play just all seniors all season. And then all of a sudden, in the future, you got no guys with experience. So, you know, is that... Exactly. Factor, that exactly.
0: You do want the best five, but then at the same time, you do have to be mindful of you just lost your entire O-line next year.
1: Right. Which is good. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, Nick, it's interesting to hear you say that about the rotation, because I've always felt that the communication aspect of that was key. And I always go back to those Missouri teams when Brad Banks was a senior and Chase Daniel, I think he was a freshman that year.
1: Brad Smith. Not Brad Banks. Brad Smith. Yeah, not Brad Banks. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, Brad
0: Smith. Oh, thank you. Thank you. (laughs) BD Smith. (laughs) I'm 36. My memory isn't what it used to be. (laughs) Um, But what I remember from that year was that, you know Chase Daniel always played the. I think it was like the first drive of the second quarter, and, and that was the plan. They always yeah. stuck to it no matter the situation. And I feel like that's the key. You know, if you have a plan and you show the players that you're sticking to it, so they're not always looking over their shoulder like, oh, did that little mistake that I made just cost me my playing time next series? I, I mean, I, I think that's I think that's how you have to handle those situations.
1: Yeah, yeah no, I... and, and,
0: and you're right. And if you have the right communication, it can absolutely work. But if you spring it on someone, or if like you get pulled the next time, then you're gonna be worried about your play, and you're gonna be, you know, you're gonna make more mistakes because you're you're not gonna be thinking about, okay, I'm not worried about if I'm starting or not. I'm in there. Here's what I'm doing. And then if you're if you're up in the air, if it's like I don't know what's going on, you're not gonna play as well.
1: Yeah, that was my freshman year at Mizzou. I think by the end of that season, they let Chase start a game or two, but then they ended up putting Brad back in, and it was it just it kind of got to be a mess. A little bit by the end of it, but yeah, I think you're right about how that started anyway. They were sticking with that plan.
0: Oh, well, coaches will, coaches will always get in their way at something. <laughs> yeah.
1: That's so true. <laughs> and so, you know, that experience, how much do you think that that helps Skylar Thompson knowing that he's got those guys on the offensive line that he's familiar with and that they know what they're doing?
0: It's huge. I mean, it's huge. like if I was Skylar and I had a bunch of young inexperienced O-linemen in front of me. I'd be concerned with that, and you know, you you can't see past that as as a quarterback, and you're you're not worried about going through your progressions and your reads. You're worried mm-hmm. about getting hit, and I think that to not have that, or to have one less worry for Skylar, you knowing you got a guy you've been under center now for about a year or two with, with Holtorf, then I think that's going to be great. And then you know, I love Scott France, man. He's he's been doing this thing for a minute, and so we saw what happens once. In the Iowa State game, and once Scott went down at left tackle with that ankle or knee injury, they just blitzed right over it, right over his replacement. And his replacement looked just did not look right. Like just there was no plan in place. There was no chip help. And it was one of those things where I think that's what the coaches are doing right now is they're getting those guys in so they don't come off come up off the cold and just don't play well because they haven't done it in weeks. And that was always one of my biggest complaints about the old coaching staff was that they seemed, and maybe it was the offensive staff last year. It always seemed like everybody was just expected to do their job. And, you know, if you didn't, then it was your, you know, your fault because you made a mistake, but recognizing a situation like that and saying, oh, hey, maybe we should, you know, have the running back chip, or maybe we should put the tight end over there to, you know, to give him a little rub, you know, to help him out coming off the line, like, hey. We've been really lucky. We've had all five guys play for like two years in a row now, but because we've been lucky like that, now when somebody goes down, we're bringing in somebody who just simply has not played at all for two years. Yeah, that's not good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, especially against Iowa State's defense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, I mean, credit to them. They finally have a staff up there that knows what the hell they're doing. <laughs> and, you know, it's it's kind of amazing to see – just because we haven't seen that at Iowa State. But that staff, that defense especially is just really impressive. Yeah. Yeah, I I know. They're scary. I mean, they've always been scary. Farmageddon always has just been crazy <laughs> to me. But yeah, I mean, what they have going up there, the mentality that they've brought and how people are buying into him, and it's it's pretty cool to see.
1: Yeah. So, Nick, looking at the offensive line, you know, who who do you like there? Who do you see as as maybe all Big 12 caliber or even NFL potential on that line? Well,
0: it's tough to say uh, NFL, but I know mm-hmm. Scott France, I mean, he's battled through a bunch of injuries, and, mm-hmm. and I think he's done, like, the, the the cool thing about when you look at O-line play and you become a connoisseur, such as myself, mm-hmm. is, is good O-line play is boring. Right. But when you watch Dalton last year, I mean, he was a bright tackle. He'd he'd kick set, block his guy, move on. Right. And it's just like nothing happened on his side. It was like just boring. And that's the highest compliment is to know you're just, you're working your guy over and he's not getting anywhere near the tackle. He's not making a tackle and he's not making a sack. It's cool, and I think I think Scott has that that same potential to do that to play well as a left tackle, and he's been holding on that spot for what the past four years now, three four years, and and I think Adam Holtorf coming in second year, second full year starting, and and I think that's going to be your nucleus of that offensive line, and to have the second year like I remember, so I was left guard my first three years, and I moved to center my senior year, and you know, just getting in sync with the quarterback underneath you you know the cadence you know the the pressure underneath and everything like that it's cool I mean to have it for for two years in a row for Skyler and for Adam it's fantastic so that's going to be awesome and with that with a a senior center who's advanced and a, a senior left tackle you can plug and play people right because you can plug and play a left guard or a right guard once at a time because they're not making calls they're just listening to the calls and so that's why I think it gives you that ability is you have Adam's experience as you know, a center that you can bring in those guys and they, they, they can follow him. Say, so oh, where are we going to Oh, go? four down in the wheel, wills over there. All right, cool. Let's go. Yeah.
1: All right, now we're going to take a quick break to, to hear from our sponsors.
0: I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons,
1: So we are back now and I want to talk about a little bit about the new redshirt rule. I know, you know, we, we've talked about how Kleiman wants to seemingly do more with that and then take advantage of, you know, letting players play for we always talk you always hear about how that's good for the coaches, they they could give more guys a chance. You know, what do you think that does for freshmen, the freshman players to know that hey, you know, you get up to four games to prove you belong out here and in your spot or, or you could still redshirt after that?
0: I mean I I don't know for sure but I feel like you would be more engaged you know mm-hmm. knowing that there's a chance that you could play in up to 4 games in a year and that you actually are battling for playing time and that it won't cost you a year down the line just you know to get in for two plays or something like that mm-hmm. I, mean, yeah. I I would surely think that that helps your engagement I love that the coaching staff is talking about using that because I think it's a huge weapon especially for a first year coaching staff and especially with a roster where they come in and You know, we haven't recruited super well for the last three years. There are some holes on the roster. You know, there are some places where we could, you know, take a chance and on playing a young guy and see what he's got. And if he's not ready, he's not ready. Okay, what have you lost? You lost a series, or you lost,
1: Mm -hmm. you know, what
0: whatever. You know, you can say, okay, look, you know, we gave you a shot in this game to play a series. Uh, You know, next game we're probably going to give you another shot. You know, and you have, you know, basically, you know, cut the season into thirds. You know, you can say, we're going to give somebody a shot here and somebody a shot here and somebody a shot there and break it up that way. And you, you keep everybody more engaged and you give those young guys a chance to show what they can do. And you know what? Maybe you find somebody that you weren't expecting. Yeah, no, you, you're right, Ty. And I think you, you hit the nail on the head, too, where it changes the complexity like it's a strategy and it's i think it's a cool thing where you can say all right let's let him play you know let's let this guy play and there's no harm to us if he gets those four games and and say okay you know we don't think he's ready or maybe he's almost ready but you know what we want to we want to have him for four, four more years so let's put the redshirt on and i think it's, it's a cool feature to have too and and, if, and you can use it at your disposal right so you can play like first two games and then not play until the last two games right Mm -hmm. so you could even use it as like an injury sub like if you know like a a running back who's who's got an ankle or, or a hamstring he seems to be out for two weeks and you can put in this kid this younger true freshman and then once once your guy comes back then you can you know put that red shirt back on and that's a way to build that experience like we talked about with offensive line you know you build that experience and i think that's cool cuz there's no substitute for game experience. Yeah. it's it's a whole different world than, than being in practice or anything like that. yeah. and one other thing i didn't think to say this but one other thing that i would i would like to see and i would think that you could possibly do is you know you could use somebody like a Josh Youngblood, the true freshman receiver. You know, you could give him a shot just a general series. But you could also you could rep up some sort of you know, special, like a trick. I mean, I'll call it a trick play, but you know, you could, (laughs) you could rep something with him in practice and say, look, you know, we're going to bring you in in a a special situation. You know, we're going to do this thing that we've repped, you know, a hundred times. And, you know, you look, we don't think, you know, I mean, I'm not saying they would say this to him, but look, you may not be ready for the whole playbook yet as a true freshman. Don't worry about that. Get this down. You know, you're, you're a great athlete we're going to spring it on somebody who's not suspecting it. Because I feel like, you know, the way that things are scouted these days, you know, they, they know about everything that you do. Yeah. But if you have a true freshman like that, that's it's just a completely unknown quantity and hasn't seen the field, they're not going to spend their precious practice time worrying about the one play that that guy, you know, might be able to pull off. So if you, you know, if you have a couple of guys like that, you might be able to spring that in a particular situation where you really need it.
1: Yeah, I could definitely see that happening and so one thing i guess you know as far as playing true freshman goes i I think we would all agree if a true freshman you know proves that he deserves to have a starting spot then then certainly he should get that chance but you know what about if you've got a guy that is like a second string type of player what should be taken into consideration of whether or not to use that guy for depth or to keep him registered only playing four games
0: well, and then I think that that's the beauty of it too, is that you have that you, that evaluation on on film. like right now, like I'm watching a lot of the preseason stuff for the chiefs and mm-hmm. it's tough to do scouting evaluations because there's no schemes behind it. So technically you know you're supposed to be shining, you're supposed to be you know you're supposed to have you know just mono a mono and you know no schemes behind you and see see how you do without all the help. And it's just tough because you can't get into a rhythm when you're watching these games because they're, they're so sporadic and, you know, they're not doing anything else. And, and it's like a short story. And, and I love I love the actual games, where, where actual games in college, actual game in the NFL, because each game is a, an intricate story with multiple plot twists and just you see you flow. Like, you know, when you're calling a play in the first quarter, that's going to set up a play in the third quarter. And, you know, I think it's cool stuff like that where you get these eight, nine play drives where you got your offensive playbook wide open. It's so cool. It's so cool to see. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like, I mean, I'm not a coach and nobody is going to ask me to even try anything beyond my son's first grade basketball team. Right now. <laughs> But I feel like my philosophy would be if you're a, if you're a second string type of player, then the question is, you know, what's the replacement value over the guy that you're competing with for second string? Sure. If it's neck and you know, if it's neck and neck and it's not really a big difference, then I would play the other guy who's older and redshirt you to save you for later. But if you're just if you're clearly better, yeah, you know, at second string, like if there's a huge drop off from second to whatever the other guy at third string would be, I mean, I don't know. It's tough to say that. I mean it's tough to it would be tough to burn a red shirt like that, and I'd be judicious about it but i I would be more inclined to play if it was you know if the guy was clearly better
1: yeah, and do you think there are some situations where maybe like a coach goes to a player and explains- to, like hey, we could use you here, we'd like to have you as a second string guy, but if you want a red shirt and save yourself for maybe four years, we'd understand that too. do you think that ever happens?
0: Yeah, well I mean I I I I mean I started my, my true freshman year. My first start was versus Oklahoma in two thousand, left guard. And they had a conversation with me. It was about week two or week three. And they were like, listen, you know, you you showed your skill and practice, and we want to take the red shirt off you. And I was like, all right, cool, let's do it. Yeah. Because you know, I, I didn't I didn't think any long term stuff. I didn't think, okay, am, am I ready for this? Yes, I am. Well, how's this going to affect me? But I think if you truly sat down and had a good five ten minute conversation, say, we want you to be the guy, you know, want you to get started, let's do this. Or it could be like, you know, hey, we need you in for injury for a couple of weeks, and then we're going to put you back. Um, but I, I always say uh, I'm with you Luke where you want to save somebody for later if it's a tie yeah right if, if, yeah. if it's a tie then yeah then let, let the older player get it and then you know keep that red shirt but it's going to be interesting how it's going to get utilized
1: yeah I'm really interested to see so, so before we move on you know Ty you mentioned the receiver young blood um, any other freshmen you guys are, are keeping your eye on as, as a player who could make a big impact this season
0: I mean, I would love to see what Keenan Garber has. I would love to see what Jax Dean has. You know, really, there are a lot of guys from this last class who I would love to see them work into the shuffle at some point. You know, just to, even if it is just for a four-game, or, you know, probably it's probably going to be less than that, realistically, but even if it is for their four-game freebie tryout, I mean, there are a lot of guys in this class who I would love to see on the field just to get an idea what they have.
1: Yeah. And so, I guess uh, moving on, looking farther ahead, we we talked a little bit last podcast about the first three games. I think most people are expecting a two and one start. Obviously, we'd love to see a three and zero start. But to me, maybe the most interesting stretch is those first three games of Big Twelve play, where you get at Oklahoma State, then Baylor and TCU at home. Those are four teams, according to the coaches poll, right in the middle of the pack. It seems like you know winning at least two of those three is going to be pretty essential for getting to the top half of the conference and maybe even getting to a bowl game. You know, you think that that's fair to say at this point?
0: I'm um, Honestly, I mean, I'm expecting eight to 10 wins this year. I, I really am. I think, I think Kleiman's mentality plays well off Snyder's mentality. So it will help cover that transition year. And then I think players are bought in. Uh, I think that what's going to happen is that they have teams are no longer facing Snyder teams, so they don't have the playbook on them, right? Sure. So there might be some early success, and then teams might figure it out or teams might not figure it out. Whereas it's this cool, nuanced nuanced offense and defense is you know, coming back to the Lynch mob mentality, and it's going to be interesting to see. It really is. And I'm expecting to go 3-0, by the way.
1: Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That would be nice. You know, maybe um, maybe Mississippi State will be rattled by the the whole scandal where they somehow did the same thing as Mizzou but got a lighter punishment. I don't know. I'm still bitter about that, <laughs> but. <laughs>
0: You know, I mean, the thing about that Mississippi State game is that's going to be, in a way, kind of a barometer for the upper limit of this season. Mm-hmm. You know, like what the ceiling for this team is. Sure. You know, if we go down there and we just get our ass handed to us, then we're <laughs> like, well, you know, if, if we get to six wins this year, that's we'll call that a win and get the extra practice for the bowl game. But. Mississippi State lost their, some of their studs on defense last year, and they lost their starting quarterbacks. So that's one of those games that I look at, and I'm like, you know what? If we're ready to go, if the breath of fresh air and the new schemes and some of those intangible things work out, and Mississippi State maybe isn't quite as good as most people expect them to be. It might be one of those games where we find out the ceiling on the season is a little bit higher than we think. So I, I look at the season, and I'm like, you know, it would be really nice if we had – a third home non-conference game against a pushover because I would love to get that easy three and zero. And we really have a fairly favorable conference schedule from a road home perspective. You know, we get Baylor at home, we get TCU at home, we get Iowa State at home. Mm-hmm. They, I mean, they do it doesn't matter where we play. But, but you know, well, well say,
1: but playing at Kansas means you get an extra home game somewhere else. So. <laughs> yeah, I exactly.
0: Mean, yeah, yeah, I mean, basically, we've got you know, we, you know we get an extra home game. But yeah, yeah, I mean. You know, you look at that, and you're like, the middle class of the Big 12 this year is massive. I mean, it's it's basically everybody outside of the top three. Because I'll include the Iowa State in the top three. They're just yeah. a distant third behind Oklahoma and Texas right now. But they're to me, they're clearly a step above the rest of the teams in the middle class. But you look at Oklahoma sure. State and Baylor. And TCU and Texas Tech has a new coach and West Virginia lost everybody and has a new coach. You know, and we get West Virginia at home. Like, you know, I look at that. And I'm like, man, we have the type of schedule where, if this coaching staff can come in and get everybody bought in and can install their, their schemes and their techniques and everything, and everybody's ready to hit the ground running, you have the schedule that's conducive to a surprisingly good season. And I mean surprisingly given the national perception right now it would be six wins but surprisingly even beyond that yeah. you know more up in the territory of what nick was talking about so it's one of those seasons that i'm looking forward to so much just because even for the fans it's kind of a breath of fresh air after the last two or three years so there's always that optimism i you know and i've written about this before. there's always that optimism that comes with the new season but it's totally different when you have new coaches and just a completely new approach so you know, the reality of September and October may get me in the face soon enough, but I'm optimistic <laughs> and I'm looking forward to it. Yeah,
1: and I appreciate you know, we we always know we can count on Nick for that optimism. So that's why it's good to have you <laughs> on for this season reviews. Yeah.
0: Is it is it number thirteen? expect to win? It's my favorite yeah. goal. <laughs> there,
1: you go. there you
0: go. That's what I love. That's the true, you know, elite college and professional athlete mindset. Like Mm-hmm. There's no well, you know this team's tough, no fuck them we're gonna win <laughs> absolutely a hundred percent, yes, absolutely you know the only thing that scares me about our schedules obviously is at Texas in Austin mm-hmm. and then two weeks later at Lubbock and i hope I hope that Lubbock game is an early morning game because if you play tech at night, forget about it, probably yeah. one of the most hostile environments ever hmm. But, yeah, but at 11, they're all still hung over, and they won't show up for kids. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. I, I am so sympathetic there with you
1: on that one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, even this first game, because Nichols, number 11 FCS, we're probably going to learn more about this team than we would in, in a lot of openers. Um, Nick, you and I were talking about this a little. Nichols is a team that that's come on strong the last few years. You said you, you were doing some research. Can you give us a scattering report? What we're going to see um, Saturday? No,
0: I, I, can't, I, can't, I can't give a full scouting quote of the nerd of uh, Thibodeau, Louisiana. Uh, I'm going to get into that nitty-gritty on Wednesday because I'm doing the, uh, the okay. pregame show. Okay. Um, so it's going to be – I'm going to get into that. Um, week one scouting, it, it's so crazy because you know, you're watching last year's film, mm-hmm. and it's like, okay, this player's gone, that player's gone, this coach is there, this coach is not there. And it's so – like I used to hate it in the NFL – in college, I just hated it. I absolutely hated it. Because <laughs> right now, if you're if you're nickel state, you know you're watching North Dakota State film from last year, yeah. And you're saying, okay, here are the concepts. Here's what they're going to do. None of these players are here, but this is what they're going to do. This is what's going to look like. And it's like you're like, oh, I can't even. I just can't even right now. But that's why week one games are always such a cluster, because it's like you don't know what's going to go on. You don't know what, what's what's happening. So you got to kind of uh, adjust on the fly after the first and second quarter.
1: And then, you know the other thing we talk about, you know, what's the team gonna look like? and but what about yeah, the game day experience, I'm sure, is gonna be a, a lot different this season. that I, I don't know if I'll be able to make it back to the for a game, probably not, but I imagine you guys will, you know, what will be your expectations going to the bill this year?
0: I'm gonna miss hearing the playlist. <laughs> 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 I remember I had tuned that playlist out every pregame so like i would hear cer- certain songs uh and then other songs i would i would like hear like in on the radio when i'm away from away from it and i'd be like how do i know this song and then someone was like dude this is a pregame song go, oh, okay So <laughs> <laughs> yeah it, it's gonna be different man. and and i think you know as, as players you know you adapt to your head coach's mentality and i've stressed this a lot but man that culture down there right now in manhattan is awesome It's a winning attitude. It's a tough mindset. And it's, it's a old school, you know, grab your lunch pail, get your hard hat, you know, clock in a shift at the coal mine and let's get (laughs) after it and let's work until our fingers bleed. Yeah.
1: And what do you think, Ty? Is your, your young son's going to enjoy the game day experience more now?
0: (laughs) (laughs) You know, I, well, the only one who's even been to a game is Zane. Uh, So, you know, (laughs) And Chase is still only two, so he's, yeah, yeah. A, he's a ways off from okay. going to games yet. But I hope I can get Zane out there for a game this year. I'm not sure it's going to work out just with the way his soccer schedule and everything is. But, uh-huh. um, yeah, I, I mean, yeah, there are going to be some definitely different things around the stadium. But, you know, I, I assume that they're still going to allow you to drink beer in the parking lot, and that's really the main <laughs> thing for me. <laughs>
1: Well, you know what, Ty. I'm glad to hear you got your priorities right as a parent. Soccer I, comes I'm first. Such,
0: I'm, such a, I'm such a simple man, Luke. <laughs> man, I tell you what, I got issues because my eight-year-old son is the biggest Longhorn fan ever. Oh like, man, uh, down uh, Austin. <laughs> We're going to Austin this year. Yeah, to watch K-State play. All right. Oh man. Yeah. And I That's honestly, fun. I honestly hope he's crying at the end of the game because K-State won. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh, you got a barbecue spot picked out when you go down there?
0: No, no, no man. <laughs> um, I, I like I, I'm a, a brisket man. Obviously, okay. growing up in Dallas, you know, brisket was was everything in Texas. Yeah. And uh, after having Pecan Lodge brisket, I, oh, I, I'm, yeah. I'm not going to wait 50 right. hours in line at Franklin's. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> I'm I'm more excited to go to Austin and get some some Mexican food and yeah. get some tacos. That's what I like in Austin.
1: That, that's yeah.
0: me. Tex Mex in Austin.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: So I know if, if it's still open, I know we're, we're going to try and go to Polvos for breakfast. It's one of my favorite breakfast spots. and It's kind of south of uh, south of Lady Bird Lake, and yeah, and I love Austin. Okay, oh, Austin's great. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Now I'm thinking about stuffed avocado at Trudy's with Mexican margaritas, <laughs> and I'm just no. Yeah. <laughs> that'd be so good. That'd be so good. Yep. Yeah.
1: Speaking of road trips, I was talking to with, with CTK Slater actually. Ty, you, you mentioned him earlier. He told me I don't know I told you, he's going to Starkville for that game. I don't know. It's it's a, that's a brave brave man to go to Starkville. because feel like you're going <laughs> for the football, but not much else there. Well,
0: <laughs> you know he is going, and and I've been yeah. trying to go. I have a buddy from law school who is a Mississippi State alum and lives in Jackson now. Yeah. And I would really, I would, I would like to go just because I, I like. College football road trips. Yeah, I don't think it's going to happen this year. Well, I mean, obviously, you know, it's it's either now or never, right? We right. I'll play to Mississippi State. <laughs> but yeah, but I I would like to go. I'd say it's about twenty five seventy five at this point.
1: Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll see, Nick. I guess before we let you go, you know, we were talking about it a little before the podcast, and I thought you had an interesting take on the Andrew Luck situation that everybody's talking about. Of course, he. Surprised everybody by retiring over the weekend. You know, just share your thoughts on that.
0: Yeah, uh, just to me, you know, he just from listening to his interviews and just hearing hearing the, the pain and the anguish in his voice. I mean, you could tell he's beat down. A lot of people don't realize that once you're in the NFL, you live in these one week increments where you're you're trying to get your body back to 80%. Right, nobody's a hundred percent. Nobody's a hundred percent, and so you're trying to get your body back to eighty percent, and you have this this build and tear down cycle that just goes on and on, and it just it wears on you. And as an athlete, you, you have great great command over your body, like almost like uh, mental mental ninjutsu, right? Where you can just be like, all right, um, I'm gonna get ready for this game. I'm gonna I'm gonna rest it, ice it, do whatever it takes mm-hmm. uh, to to get ready, and. Once you injure yourself, you have a long-term injury, you sit out for a year, and then you come back and play, and then you get injured again, and you can't figure out what's wrong with your body, and, and you're hurting, and it, the pain is so much that some guys are, are like, you know, I'm going to do it till they kick me out. Like, that was my mentality. Like, I'm playing this until, like, and because uh, I didn't love it. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, I did it because it was my job, and you got paid well, mm-hmm. right? And, and it was a, a fun way to, to earn a great living. And so... It just, I, I respect him for, for being you know bold enough to walk away from 58 million. I mean that's yeah. crazy yeah. but I think you get to a point where it's like okay so I have you know all this money and I'm 10 years down the road and my body is, is complete shit because I've, I've sacrificed and I've gave it all to to the colts and it's like you know at one point you have to make a decision where you know like okay I'm going to stop shaving back in years off my life for this game and i'm gonna i'm gonna be young and 29 years old and i'm gonna do my thing right and I'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna have life outside of football and i think that's the trap is that the more money you make it's never enough it's like that scene in um, wall street 2 money never sleeps right where Shiloh boots character asks josh Brolin's <laughs> character you know what's your number and he's like what he's like what's your number to get out and he's like more and it's like one of those things where I, people get in that trap you're like okay i've made x amount okay well now i need to make 10 more million to set up everything and it's just yeah at some point you just got to make a, a gut check and be like i don't love this i want out my body hurts and i'm just not willing to do it
1: anymore yeah i mean it seems like in a lot of ways like it, it's a lot braver to make the decision to end your luck did than yeah. to, to just stick with it and, and,
0: and be miserable yeah. yeah and be absolutely miserable and it's like, yeah, it's I mean, it's funny I mean, it, until you actually experience it. And I mean, sure, the money's great, but it's it's a blood money, right? Because, you know, that money equals you know, you're know you beating your body up and you're sacrificing. And ninety nine point nine percent of human beings on this planet will, will do it. Mm-hmm. And for those point one percenters, man, my hat's off to you. You know, that's big time. I mean, that's that's a it's an adult decision. It, it really is because, you know, he loves playing. You know, he loves playing the game, and it's just, you know, if you don't have that love anymore, man, it's time to go.
1: Yeah. yeah. It reminds me of, a little bit of, I don't know if you guys ever read Andre Agassi's book, but he went into pretty excruciating detail of all the stuff he had to go through to get prepared physically, you know, all world-class tennis players, and and I imagine football is just like 10 times worse. <laughs> so. <laughs>
0: how dare you! How dare you compare tennis here? <laughs> it's, the same, it's the same thing, though, because it's a lot of stress on your your yeah. knees and shoulder and yeah. elbows. And, yeah. yeah. Um, I remember. I mean, just year six for me. Before every practice, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, I, I was I was in the training room and I was putting on the gloves, like those you know the the nitrile gloves or whatever they are. And I would I would put the atomic bomb and I would get it. I put it on my knees, shoulders, ankles. I mean, I would pretty much put an atomic bomb over my body just to practice, because you know your body's so beat down, and it's just yeah, it's just it's nuts, man. Yeah.
1: Well, I guess you know with that kind of wrap this up, just by saying, obviously we hope all the all the K-State guys stay healthy this year, especially Skylar Thompson. I, yes. this season could go south in a hurry if he were to go down <laughs> for any reason. Uh,
0: uh, you know, I, I think with, with his experience, yeah, I mean, he's going to lead this team very well. Um, I, I love the, uh, the video of Holcomb just murdering somebody on the basketball court. Yeah. that's fantastic. It's <laughs> <That's> awesome. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, that guy is that, definitely an athlete for sure. So. Yeah. Maybe, hopefully. That's, uh,
0: that's something I'll never have the pleasure of doing is dunking. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Hey, I, I do want to put in a word here, real quick. Uh, I heard this through through the coaching grapevine. There's a coach down in Texas, high school coach, who said that uh, the only players that he never had an answer for on defense were Kyler Murray, Baker Mayfield, and Chris Heron. So I'm excited to see what Chris Heron can do on the field when he gets his chance.
1: <laughs> really? Yeah. Interesting. Well yeah, yeah, hopefully we'll uh things will go well enough on Saturday that, that we'll get to see everybody. Uh, <laughs> yeah.
0: yes. Okay. Yeah. Yes. I don't want a nail biter.
1: Yeah, yeah. That'd be nice. All right, well, Nick, always appreciate you coming on. Yeah, as always, people can follow you, Mr. Nick Leckie, on Twitter. Got your in the trenches podcast. What what else are you gonna be putting out there this football season?
0: Um I think that's it. I, I was thinking about getting on a a Chelsea podcast because you know okay. I, love, I love football. Yeah. yeah. I love the uh, the beautiful game. Yeah. What do you um, think of Mason like,
1: Mount so far? I can't oh man, it. he's
0: like he's like Christian who? Yeah, he's like, exactly. He's doing his thing, man. He's trying. He's trying to shine in that spotlight. Yeah. Uh, but I think he, he's an awesome addition. I, I'm an old squad. I, I love Pedro. I love Ponte mm-hmm. because those guys are workhorses, man. Those guys yeah. are like 90th minute and they're still sprinting for balls and they're still hustling and still scrapping and and that to me is is what i love about chelsea i think if if frank can impart anything on his team i think it's in part his passing ability Mm because lamps is one of the best passers ever yep and so that that would be
1: cool for sure i'm I'm holding off right now but uh, i think a christian pulisic jersey is in my future (laughs) (laughs) let's see Uh, expecting big things from him
0: I'll stick with my Michael Ballack jersey
1: from those Yeah, six. okay, okay. That's fair. <laughs> All right, sounds good. Well thanks a lot, Nick. Thanks, Ty. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Luke Thompson signing on. Yeah, thanks, y'all. Oh yeah!